Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Novak Djokovic is out of the US Open. That in itself would be a big news story. The fact that he is out of the US Open having been defaulted in the first set against Pablo Carina Buster, having hit a line judge in the throat with a tennis ball, is just one of the biggest stories that I think I can ever remember at a Grand Slam tournament. And it happened a few hours ago. Uh, Catherine Whitaker, who was presenting the live coverage of Amazon Prime Video at the time and sat with Tim Henman and Greg Rozetsky to try to make some sense of it all, is here with us. Matt Roberts and I were both watching Catherine's coverage and the Amazon Prime Video coverage and absolutely open-mouthed throughout. It was an incredible news story that has, reverber- that has reverberated all around the world and where to begin i think the place to begin is just to tell you what happened to recount what happened and this is a match that began i think i came to it at five all um and i saw that it was love 30 to on on djokovic's serve at five all and at that point I thought, oh, I'm going to tune in now. This this sounds quite interesting. And, and it had reminded me that Jim Courier earlier in the day on, on your coverage, uh, Catherine, had said that maybe if Karina Buster played a little bit like Gilles Simon at the Australian Open a couple of years ago and just behaved like a backboard, maybe Djokovic might get frustrated. Later turned out that he had already, by this time, by the time I tuned in, had taken a heavy fall apparently hurt himself he'd also smashed away a ball in anger into the hawkeye cameras um and that looked pretty you know pretty worrying from his mindset point of view but what he did at fifteen forty when he was broken for 6-5 by Pablo Carina Busto who hit a, a little passing shot past him um he swatted a ball away in frustration behind him without looking and it struck this line judge in the throat. And the sounds that she made thereafter, we, could, we couldn't actually see on our cameras, on the, on the TV that we were watching, we could not see 
what had happened to her. We just knew that she was in trouble and she was making some really distressing sounds and Djokovic raced straight over to her um, to see what what how she was and to and I and we didn't know at that stage I didn't at least know that he was responsible for it um what were you seeing at that point Catherine because you're in a tv studio did you how long did it take for you to be aware of of what had actually happened to her and that he was the root of it well I like you David was paying only only moderate attention to the early stages of the matches it had been quite a hectic a hectic day in the studio up until then it was both greg and tim's birthday so you know i was already exhausted by the banter by that stage and we'd as you said we'd had the build-up with jim courier and you know everybody knew or thought they knew what the pattern of that match was was going to be maybe there would be a a tie break or a seven five set but it was going to be three sets for Novak Djokovic and and you know the the theme of the discussion with Jim Courier was <laughs> what hope in hell does Pablo Carreño Busta have you know that, that citing that Gilles Simon Australian Open performance which Gilles Simon didn't even win was was Jim Courier's only kind of reply when I when I said what you know what on earth tactic could Krenibus to possibly deploy today so I was I was not on high alert or even medium alert or even sort of I wasn't even on alert <laughs> for any happenings um, but I came to it I started paying attention just a little bit sooner than you David because of the injury timeout taken by Novak Djokovic and obviously any injury timeout means that there's a possibility of a retirement which means I need to be in the studio and hopefully hopefully Tim and Greg can tear themselves away from their sort of 17 birthday cakes uh, to to come and join me uh, on high alert so we luckily thanks to Novak Djokovic's injury timeout on his left shoulder area as a result of that fall that he took we were there and in position but we only were aware of the incident when we heard the cries of the line judge that had been hit actually when we saw Djokovic do the ball swatting, as you say, because he does do that. He's not the only one, other players do it too. But because he does do that, he'd done that a couple of times in the match. Once, as you said, David, um, pretty, pretty viciously, but not in the direction where any human beings were standing. I didn't really think anything of it, but then there was this really, really alarming cry and a very quick response from Djokovic and the everyone's blood ran cold. Frankly, the air went a few degrees cooler um, and actually... It strangely enough, given the drama that we've we've all endured for the past few hours, it was actually less dramatic than I initially thought it was going to be, because that sound was so alarming, and she clearly she clearly was hurt. We we haven't had a, an update the, this evening on the line, Judge. Um, we think she's okay, Novak Djokovic, in his statement, which I know you'll come on to, so seems to suggest that she is okay. But it was, yeah, it, it made your blood run cold. 
And um, it was very clear, although the details weren't clear straight away, it was very clear that something very serious was happening straight away. Mm. And it was clearly accidental, but as you said to Tim Hemmen and Greg Rosensky at the time, intent is irrelevant in terms of the decision to be made via the rule book, in terms of the need to default Novak Djokovic. And what followed thereafter, once the Lions judge had been accompanied away, there followed a, a lengthy discussion between Djokovic and the referee on court. Now, it was difficult to know what was going on. We couldn't hear it completely on the on the TV sounds. You could hear occasional words. You could kind of get the gist of bits of it. But it seems as though the decision had been made pretty instantly. I know you told me, Catherine, afterwards that Tim Hemmer and Greg Rosetsky were, were categoric immediately. That is a default. As soon as I saw it and realised that Djokovic had been responsible for this line judge getting hit, I knew instantly that is a default and any other decision would have been an outrage. Um, but there was a lengthy discussion between the referee and Novak Djokovic and it did appear as though he was making some sort of case and about the situation in which he finds himself in the condition of the Lions judge and whether there might be another option for a decision to be taken other than a default that's that's how it felt to me I don't know whether that's how how that all came over to you at the time is is that right yeah pretty Pretty much bang on. It was 12 minutes, the discussion between Novak Djokovic, the tournament referee, and uh, Andres Egli, the ATP supervisor, was there as well. 12 minutes, which which is very interesting because how would that have played out had there been crowds in the stadium? Because obviously you couldn't have had 12 minutes of of standing around and whether they were negotiating or well, it turns out they weren't negotiating, but whatever collaborative dialogue was taking place, it could not have taken place in a stadium of, of 23,000 fans. They would have had to explain what was happening. They would have had to have announced that he was been being defaulted close to immediately, really. Um, so that was just an interesting little work of the whole situation but yeah it was a 12 minute discussion and it was disappointing how little of it we could actually hear everybody was overhearing snippets Matt definitely I think heard the word hospital there was there was definitely some discussion from Djokovic he was focusing in on on the the outcome the consequences um, the severity of the injury to the to the line judge, which a he couldn't possibly have known at that stage, I and mean, when we don't know now, several hours later, and and b as you said, is irrelevant, is irrelevant in the situation. You know the rules, the rules state that the action, if it's deemed reckless or dangerous, regardless of the consequences, it's an immediate default, and Tim Hemman who has as intimate experience as it's possible to have of this situation, um, called it straight away. He said, that is, he said, that is a defer. And I spent about 20 seconds trying to play it cool in my mind, thinking, what is a defer? What is he on about? <laughs> I can't let on that I don't know what he means. 
And then finally the dots connected. I went, oh, yeah, Difa, Tim. Difa, yeah, it's a Difa. Um, yeah, they called it straight away. And they said, this is not this this is not a negotiation with Djokovic as much as it might appear to be one. This is them just softening the blow and giving him time to adjust and accept. And that's a, that's a luxury that he wouldn't have had with with a crowd. Um, but yeah, there, there, there was no negotiation happening there. There was no wiggle room. There was no room for concession. Um, there was no... Yeah, there was no license for leeway in in those rules. It's very, very clear. And just ask Tim Henman. He's been there. Nineteen ninety five, Wimbledon. He was he was twenty one years old. Twenty. Twenty. Uh, playing a doubles match, two sets to one up, as he told me about seventeen times on air today. We'd have won that match. We had two sets to one up. <laughs> um, and uh, he hit a ball away carelessly recklessly and it clipped a ball girl on the ear and she, she was fine but it was quite distressing at the time she was quite upset and it was immediate default um and tim immediately recounted that story which was very he was completely um open about all of that and it, it clearly is probably his most embarrassing one of his most embarrassing moments in life i mean i don't know all of tim's embarrassing off-court moments he but that's cl- a, he, the word he used wasn't it when you you asked absolutely. him i mean I, he, he said that uh, the first question in the press conference after that was how does it feel to be the first player in the 130 years of wimbledon history to be disqualified uh, and you said to him, "Well, how did it feel?" And and he said, "Yeah, it was, it was embarrassing, and and it was, it was clearly horrible for him." Um, but yeah, he was very open uh, and very transparent about the experience. Um, and we we sh- we should say first of all, let's hope the the line judge is okay because you know it was it was really upsetting at the time um and 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 my my daughter was watching me at the time and i kind of wanted to shoo her out of the room um because i didn't really want her to hear that um i mean fortunately the line judge got to her feet and we hope that she's absolutely fine so we wish her the best um subsequently when game set and match was called and Novak, Novak Djokovic departed the scene, we, we we got a statement from the USTA explaining the decision, which just followed all the the correct wording of what the rule book says, and that, and that there is no leeway, as you say. It's just it's just one of those things. That's that's an automatic default. We then waited, and I remember you saying in Prime Video's coverage. We'll bring you the press conference when it's when it happens when it's live, and shortly afterwards we heard that there would not be a press conference, and pictures emerged of Novak Djokovic getting into a car and driving away, uh, with and without doing a press conference at all, um, and a lot of discussion followed about that decision. Uh, and some time later, he released a statement which says and reads as follows. This whole situation has left me really sad and empty. I checked on the Lions person and the tournament told me that, thank God, she's feeling OK. I'm extremely sorry to have caused her such stress. So unintended. So wrong. 
I'm not disclosing her name to respect her privacy. As as for the disqualification, I need to go back within and work on my disappointment and turn this all into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player and a human being. I apologise to the US Open tournament and everyone associated for my behaviour. I'm very grateful to my team and family for being my rock support and my fans for always being there with me. Thank you, and I'm so sorry. Now, Djokovic put that out on his social media channels. He did not come into our typical post-match press conference for us to be able to talk to him directly. And so that's that's the only communication we've had from him. Um, my feeling on the subject is that that's quite a good apology, but it's absolutely not the way it should be delivered. Uh, I think he should have been immediately into a press conference, or at least I understand it's very stressful. It's the shock, and he would perhaps have struggled to articulate himself quite like that in the moment. But Tim Hemman said at the time when he was seen driving away, for Djokovic to not front up here and just admit his fault and and, and apologise and to, in essence, run away is just going to make it go on longer uh, and, and prolong the problem. And that's certainly how I felt about the situation. Um, and I, and I'm, I think it's really disappointing that he didn't just come up and, and address the media. I really do. Yeah, the, I mean, the way to back up a rule violation is not with another rule violation, which is what failing to attend a a mandatory press conference is. I know it's hard. I know it's the last thing you want to do, but it is required. It is the rules. It is part of the job. And I think everybody would have understood if he needed a whole heck of a lot of time before coming to that press conference Um to establish how he felt, to get over the shock, to speak to the USDA, to speak to, well, it's not the USDA, is it? It's the it's the referee and the supervisor, whatever. But it is part of the job. And that was that was a rule violation on top of a rule violation, which is is not right. Um, the, the statement that he's released exceeded my expectations. In, in some ways, I was pleasantly surprised by it. the fact that it features the words, I'm so sorry. I wasn't quite sure, like with the Ad- Adriator hoo-ha, that there would be something as explicit as a sorry. I think those should have been the first words. Um, I don't think the first words of that statement should have been about how he is, how he's feeling. Um I, I think they should have been about the the line judges and and the, the sorry the line judge and the uh, the consequences of his of his reckless actions. Um, the 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 line about not disclosing her name to respect her privacy is somewhat bizarre, um, and the uh, I I find the line about I'm extremely sorry to have caused her such stress, I find a little bit pointed, the the choice of the word stress. I mean, maybe I'm reading into his word selection too much and maybe it was drafted quickly and, and put out. But given given the, the army of people that he employs, one rather suspects that's not the case. You know, he caused her, albeit unintentionally, physical harm. 
and I'm not sure stress is is the right word to to select there but he said sorry and that's important I don't think I don't think we necessarily needed to hear in that moment about learning and growing um and um sadness and emptiness I think that could have come at a slightly later date and this could have just been a straightforward sorry I acted recklessly in the heat of the moment I do think I some acceptance, it. though, personally, that he needs to change here is important because this is not just a one-off. This is not a first mm. time he has he is, he is thrashed a ball away in anger. The, the only difference is every other time he has got lucky, and this time he got unlucky in terms of actually striking a person about the court. Now, as you said, he's not the only person who does it. But he's a repeat offender at doing this exact thing. Matt, I think you you found an occasion in the archives when when pretty much the same thing happened, except he didn't actually make contacts on, in such a grave way with a with a line with a person around the court. Yeah, as soon as this happened, my mind went to the ATP Finals in 2016 when Novak Djokovic was involved in a press conference exchange with Neil McClement, who was working for the Mirror, and asked him about an incident during a match at the ATP Finals where Djokovic hit the ball in the direction of his team. And at the ATP Finals, they're sitting very low. They're sort of court level, the the player boxes, and he, he bounced the ball into them and missed them and missed people in the crowd. And he was obviously asked about that incident in this press conference by Neil McClemon. And Neil also referred back to an incident that same year, which was at Roland Garros, where Djokovic was playing Thomas Burdick and flung his racket behind him in frustration and missed the lying judge because the lying judge stepped out of the way of the racket. That was the only reason it didn't hit them. Um, anyway, so Neil McClemon put this to Djokovic in that press conference and said, we saw you similarly venting your frustration at Roland Garros, throwing your racket. Does it concern you one day that will cost you dearly if it hit someone? Djokovic said, you guys are unbelievable. Why is it unbelievable? Because you're always picking these kind of things. Neil McClemon, if you keep doing these things, Djokovic, I keep doing these things. Why don't you get suspended then? Neil McClemon, you were close, weren't you? Djokovic, I'm close. I'm still not suspended. So if I'm not close, I'm not close. Neil McClemon, if that ball had hit a spectator, it could have been serious. Djokovic, it could have been yes. It could have snowed in O2 Arena as well, but it didn't. Neil McClemon, you're not concerned about your mindset. Djokovic, I'm the only player that shows this frustration on the court. That's what you're saying. Neil McClemon, you're one of the top-ranked players in the world. Djokovic, so. Neil McClemon said, you're showing this frustration. I'm asking you, do you think it's an issue for you? And Djokovic said, it's not an issue for me. It's not the first time I did it. And that was the end of that exchange. But what, it, what I think that shows, and I think... As you've both said, it's right to point out that Djokovic is definitely, definitely not the only person to have thrown rackets and hit balls and potentially endangered someone by doing that. But it has been a pattern throughout his 
career of slightly slightly reckless behavior in that way and it does it to me it's always it's always felt like something like this could happen and he and those quotes i think show that he's been he's been quite unbothered by the potential consequences of it in the past and he's it's almost felt like he's he's above the potential consequences in in his responses there so so yeah i think i just think the conclusion of that is that this is an issue which has been brewing for djokovic for a number of years and i agree with you maybe maybe now isn't the time in his statement to talk about self-improvement but i think there needs to be a recognition and it is good that there is a recognition from him that something does have to change it's just a shame that it's taken this incident for him to realize that when there were warning signs long before this and j- just to add to i think my 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 disappointment that he he didn't do this face to face with us in the media and with with his fans and with with everybody other people that have done this and i think of denis shapovalov smashing the ball into the umpire's face um which was a horrible moment um and how he came into a press conference and and i'm sure he was he was helped along with some media advice as well but he 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 just fronted up and he just didn't offer any excuse whatsoever for his actions uh and he did it face to face um even david nalbandian when when he kicked the line judge and i was on the court with him and admitted he told me to shut up when i tried to advise him to uh to to apologize to the crowd but at least he spoke and then he went into a press conference straight afterwards um and tim hemmer did the same so i just feel like I know it's stressful. I know it's a grand slam. I know how just devastated you are. But when you're the leader of the players, you're the ATB Council former president, and you're now the head of the Professional Tennis Players Association, you don't run away. You don't just leave the leave it all there and and go off into the night and with a statement left behind you. Um, so I, I'm disappointed with that. Um, maybe uh, maybe he'll think on that as well as part of it. But uh, yeah, ultimately, absolutely right decision made on the court, and uh, it's just an it's just an absolutely enormous news story. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was on the uh, the news at, the BBC News at ten uh, in the UK, which yeah is a real marker of a, a cut through story transcending not just the sport but sport um and i and i can't help but hear the the word well djokovic's words in fact but in the pre-tournament article interview that christopher clary did with djokovic uh, a couple of weeks ago when he i think that was probably set up by by Djokovic's people or the ATP or whatever is Djokovic's sort of mere culpa about the the Adria tour and reflection on that and him doing his version of holding his hands up and trying to put it to bed and actually he ended up coming off as defensive and and <laughs> speaking of and sorry focusing on the fact that he had good intentions the the fact that he had no ill intent. He only meant well. 
and it just feels I don't know whether it's ironic or apt that his sort of US Open bubble journey has come to an end um, with an incident which is sort of defined by the fact that his intentions are irrelevant were irrelevant um, I don't know I don't know whether I'm looking for poetry where there isn't any it's not really poetry is it sort of tragedy i don't know what it is but yeah i know what you mean though it's it's another in a line of things like this where he hasn't fully just taken responsibility and and i think of and he does tend to go he does tend to things things go wrong but like this you can just just leave uh, I think it happened at the French Open, didn't it? Uh, when, mm-hmm. when he lost that match, he was just out the door. Um, he he has all this stuff happen at the Adria Tour. He just leaves and goes to, to back home to to Belgrade. Um, and now this, I mean, look, I, I get it. I do get it. I'm, I, I don't know what it's like to be in his shoes and and to be under that sort of stress and upset uh, at the given time. But but it's even so, it's not the right way to do it. But he. But he accepts and welcomes the power, doesn't he? He courts the power. He seeks the power. I mean, very explicitly in the last couple of weeks, been spearheading, co-presidenting a an organisation to give players more power. And with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. Um, Pablo Carreno Buster is into the quarterfinals of the US Open. And uh, he's that's through, the headline. He's through <laughs> six five default. Definitely um, the headline in all the papers. <laughs> I was so glad I didn't nap through this first set, which was my original plan. The yes. the late finishes of the last couple of days were catching up with me today. It was my very much my middle Sunday feel to the day, and yeah, I genuinely didn't think that there would be much anything of note matt floated the idea of a nap on the tennis podcast whatsapp he was uh he was very gamefully encouraged by david i was on air at the time but obviously would have encouraged had i been available um yeah you were you were led led down the garden path matt mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. 
being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So we're going to have a new Grand Slam champion in men's tennis in a week's time. Just say it, David. Just ask the question that you want to ask. What, what do I want to ask? I don't, I don't even know what I want to ask. About, I mean, the, the mix is the mix is everyone, as you tweeted, I think, now. Right. Is it Jordan Thompson? Well, he's now out, yeah. <laughs> who's, it, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be is the question I'm supposed to ask. Yes. <laughs> who's it going to be? Is it going to be Pablo Carina Buster? I mean, talk is about any, Is anyone not in the mix? Is Alex well, de Minaur in the mix? I think everybody's in the yeah. mix. I think it's true. When I look at when I look Everyone's down at the, the field in now, the mix. Yeah, all bets are it's off. It's like um, again, this could be looking for poetry where there isn't any because my brain is no longer functioning <laughs> on well, sort of any cylinders. But it's I was thinking of the what gets what gets bigger the more you take away from it. You know that old. It's not a joke, is it? Sort of what is that it's a thing it's a, it's a it's a christmas cracker line that's not funny um and that's sort of the mix isn't it you take someone away from it and it's become enormous mm. Mm. david didn't in, david didn't enjoy that uh analogy at all folks you couldn't see his face while i was laboring my way through that but he wasn't pleased I was trying to follow it. <laughs> um, as we come to you right now, uh, score-wise, Denis Shapovalov is a set down and 4-2 up against David Goffin. This could be a, a deep into the night job, folks, because uh, after this, there's a, the Annette Contevate against uh, a Naomi Osaka match. So it's going to be Karina Buster against the winner of this Shapovalov-Goffin match. It's going to be Borna Chorich, who's beaten uh, Jordan Thompson in straight sets tonight. Jordan and Thompson was in the mix for about two hours <laughs> yeah. he was in a grand uh, slam mix for two hours and that can always be on his cv <laughs> quite right and so borna Chorich against alexander zverev i think they played here at the us open a few years back yeah and Chorich has a i believe 3-1 positive head-to-head record against zverev and yeah you're right he beat him at the us open on the grandstand court three years ago so that's was that the year with the socks Yes, although Zverev had changed his socks by then after the after receiving reasonable amounts of criticism for them. Universally negative feedback about the socks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. Fortunately, he's never gone there again. Um, right. Okay. Well, it's the other half of the draw tomorrow in the fourth round with Berrettini against Rublev, but that'd be good. Uh, Tiafo against Flashy. Medvedev, Pospisil against Dimonor. Felix Auger Aliassime against Dominic Team. That's oh, the one. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just as a reminder, last night uh, it turns out that Marin Cilic didn't beat Dominic Team, <laughs> much as I was digging it up. 
I really had a terrible, terrible 24 hours um, in the old prediction states. What, think, what did I get wrong do today? Do you think anyone in the world right now feels that they accurately predicted day seven of the 2020 US Open, David? No. no. Yeah, but I mean, not not too many people went quite as hard on Angelique Kerber and only for her to lose 6-1, to Jennifer Brady, who I'd been categorically writing off less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> um, what a, what a, Has anybody, Matt, in all the predictions competition, there are about 30-odd people, did anybody not pick Djokovic? That's something I'd love to know. I but, accidentally did. Yeah, Catherine's had to be resubmitted. <laughs> Under a different email address. The other version was going to be wrong as well. <laughs> yes. Oh, quite. Did I have sits of pass yeah. winning in the other version? Correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is a good question, David. I will endeavour to find out the answer. I'm not yeah, we'll sure. Have, we'll have a look for tomorrow. Mm. Okay. Um, Yulia Putintseva is going to take on Jennifer Brady, who was just fabulous against Kerber, who did not let her have it. She just was wonderful, Brady. And uh, and I underestimated her, and I admit it. Uh, Putintseva beats Petra Martic, so they're going to meet in the quarters. At least I've got Putintseva in the quarters. That's the only good news I've got. Um, <laughs> and then it's uh, the winner of Osaka and Contevate against Shelby Rogers, who got herself a big shock win against Petra Kvitova. Shelby. Seven, six... That's what, my, that's what my producer says in my ear every time Shelby Rogers comes up and it is only a matter of time before I, before I say her name like that on air. Because <laughs> she's from Charleston and she's called Shelby and, you know, for, for a British person, I know, it, well, I don't know, it's very difficult to resist saying her name as if she's a character in, uh, in Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that tonight. <laughs> She's Fantastic. great. I really like her. Yeah. She saved much points against uh, Kvitova. Yeah, and it's a shame that her moment there was overshadowed inevitably by what was happening in terms of Novak Djokovic's default. But as you said, this is this is a massive, massive deal for her. She had knee surgery in 2018 you can you can literally see the scar on her knee and she's now back in a grand slam quarterfinal which she did reach before the french open a few years ago and yeah she she was brilliant it was a it was a real to and fro with with petra kvita out there who had four match points i believe and double faulted on one of them but but Shelby Rogers equally played her part in winning that match and taking it from Kvitova. And I don't know, I, I see a little bit of similarity with Jennifer Brady in terms of a an, an American player who has sort of gone up another level in the in these last few weeks and turned themselves into certainly in Brady's case, I believe a contender for this title based on what based on what she produced today. I was, I mean, I was thinking before all the Djokovic stuff happened, Jennifer Brady was the story of the day in terms of her performance. Her, <laughs> her slashing at the ball, but with such control, is incredible to watch. And she, she took Kerber apart in the first set, and the second set was a, was a really good contest, both players playing well, and Brady having to overcome a little injury with her leg as well, which hopefully isn't isn't too bad but she's she's an incredibly fun player to watch and someone who has over the course of the year with teaming up with this German trainer Michael Gerserer and going to train in Germany and just really 
really committing to that has transformed herself. That's a cool story, that, isn't it? it? it really I, like, is. I like the fact that she did that. Yeah, I mean, that, that second set was a great advert for German tennis training because uh, Kerber was also very good in it. It's really unusual for for an American player, especially one so so wedded to the American system. You know, she was a U.S. college player. Um, you know, had, had was really a product of the of the U.S. tennis um, production line, and she had a good solid career going, and could have treaded water like that, and had had a good career, and had peaks in it, and moments to to remember and trophies to sit on the cabinet for for the for a lifetime and she she decided she wanted more and was capable of more and made a lot of sacrifices and bold decisions in order to well I suppose she hasn't achieved it yet but she could she could do she is in the mix um and to have yeah spent her off season there i think she spent christmas over in germany and she spent the entirety of lockdown there I, i'm I'm full of admiration for for Jennifer Brady, and her forehand is fearsome. Mm, Dynamite. There was a lovely moment, actually, in her post-match interview where it was just presented to her what she just accomplished, the first question. And because she's wearing a mask, you couldn't see her smile, but you saw her smile in her eyes. And it was it was just a lovely moment of realisation this has happened, you know? It, it, suddenly... A, all became clear. I, I've, I have done this. I am a quarterfinalist at a Grand Slam, and she was. She doesn't strike me as somebody who's particularly grand in her in her demeanour about <laughs> celebration. But she just she just looked so happy in that moment, and I was really chuffed for her. Yeah, she was asked, "What are you going to do with your day off in the bubble?" And she goes, "The huge." <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean? Uh, what, what is the huge, Jennifer? Is what I want to know. Um, it's like brilliant. a defer. Yeah, well, that's right. It's all too young for me. Uh, this stuff. Uh, so she's into the quarters. Plays Yulia Putinseva. Um, I want to know what you think is going to happen tomorrow between Felix Auger-Aliassim and Dominic Team. Please let that question be for Matt. I think Dominic Team's going to win it. I think Dominic Team is going to win. I picked him to reach the final, so I have to carry carry through with that. And I believe he's now probably the favourite for this tournament with Djokovic gone. I think it's, as we've discussed, incredibly open. But I I would back him. I think he's I think he's moving through the gears in this tournament and improving with each round. And I believe that he's been. He's been waiting for this kind of moment to for a for a draw to open up a little bit, and I'm not sure he's gonna he's gonna give that up. I think he'll step it up again against Orzhe Aliassim. And I, I mean, look, I'm, it's a match I'm incredibly incredibly excited to watch, and very very thankful for Labor Labor Day weekend in the in the states, which means it's got a day session scheduling, which means that it's that we can watch it without it being in the middle of the night here, which. I'm thankful for because I think it could be electric because both players both players are such incredible hitters of the ball from the back of the court and I'm I'm already getting excited at the sort of shape and tempo that some of the rallies might have and the 
athleticism that will be on display. I think it will be it will look like futuristic tennis. I think when they're when they're at their best in those rallies. And but I am I am backing team to come through it a little bit more experienced, and I think that could be the difference. They've never played each other before. I'm just reading, um, which adds to the appeal to me. Just the the unknowns, and because. Oshieliasim has been so spectacularly good, and then Team really did step it up last night. Watching both Team and uh, beating Chilich and Brady beating Kerber, and to a lesser extent Oshieliasim beating Murray, because I don't think that's quite fair on Murray to judge him necessarily on this week. But it did feel like time is moving on a little here. And we are seeing, because Kerber did not let Brady have it, Chilich won the third set last night and was, I know he's not at his best, but he was he was pushing. And then I, and I, that's at the point I went to bed. And I just woke up. I remember going to bed thinking, I still think team will win this the way I've seen those couple of sets evolve. And sure enough, 6-3, dominant team is through. Just feel like we're, we're maybe entering a new stage here and some players are are the force and other players maybe their time is passed you know uh they, they can certainly prove that otherwise but um but i found it very interesting to to witness what about you catherine do you, you so you're going team you think he'll uh, he'll win this match do you think he'll win the tournament from here i think he ought to yeah i think um we we ran uh, the the first person to press after the Djokovic incident was uh, was Alex Zverev Alexander Zverev um, who had already announced his time given his time for press as there was no ducking it no ducking being the first one to face the have you seen what happened question um, and he you could, I mean he he said all the right things and he, he was sensitive enough about the line judge and everything but his eyes were lighting up he was if he wasn't wearing a mask he'd have been able to see him salivating <laughs> um, which is which is i suppose a reaction you want to see provided you're showing the you know the appropriate respect and concern for for the situation and and the condition of the the line judge <laughs> but yeah Zverev would have gone from thinking oh bugger it i'm in the wrong half of the draw to yay this is the this is the good half of the draw to be in hooray lucky me um sam i mean he he was good today as well yeah he really really was i mean his 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 opponent david davidovich fakina um sustained quite an unpleasant looking foot injury in the third set ended up uh finishing the match on an underarm serve because he was unable to push up on on the on the overarm serve so that was distressing but but frankly Zverev had run away with it before Davidovic uh, Fakina sustained that injury he was very very good and frankly Zverev Zverev should be thinking just as team is I'm sure this is mine to lose now however I think it's just that bit more true for for Dominic team than it is for for Alexander Zverev but there's a lot of people in this draw that should be now expecting themselves really to go and win this one. Mm. 18 aces, two double faults says a lot, I would say about that, about that way that match went. And uh, it will be really interesting to watch him against Chorich because he's going to be playing with pressure. He's supposed to beat Chorich. And as you say, Matt Chorich has got this good record against him. Um, I didn't want this to happen with Novak Djokovic today. It's it, most importantly because of the line judge. Um, but the whole thing is 
is sad and it's it was distressing all of it but what it does mean and and i think Djokovic being in the draw and chasing another piece of history and seeing if anybody could have knocked him off they're all interesting storylines but now that we are in this position and you look down a draw with these players left in who have never had that moment that crowning moment in their lives and one of them is going to have it in a week's time it does mean that the second week of this tournament from a men's perspective is just it's going to be really interesting every single turn every match becomes fascinating now because none of them feel like right yeah he might win this but what does it matter because Djokovic is going to win it anyway this is the ultimate for all of these guys and and I think it just makes every match must see and I think one of the things that makes it interesting is that so many of the players that we would have put in the tier just below Novak Djokovic as the favourites to win are still in the tournament Obviously, Sitsipas has gone out, but teams there, Zverev's there, Medvedev's there, Rublev's there. And I think some of the frustration that's come with the next gen in the past has been that they've often bombed out early in Grand Slams and not even put themselves in a position so that if some sort of fluke result were to happen, they could capitalise on it. Well, the fluke result has happened and most of them are still there now to capitalize obviously Medvedev and team have played Grand Slam finals against members of the big three I would slightly exclude them from that but certainly Zverev Rublev you know they're here now and this is their time and it's it's a very very intriguing free-for-all what what do you think Sitsipas's despair levels are like at the moment do you think he's just drowning in a sea of FOMO well, funny you should say that because his tweet today was about eating an American hot dog. On the ball, in the zone, head in the game as usual. I'm quite relieved that he was because <laughs> he had a big smile on his yeah. face and, you know, he looked that, like he was just sort of decompressing in in, in New York. That actually um, feels like quite a healthy reaction, even though it's probably unhealthy, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes indeed um so yeah that's that's pretty much it i think um for today uh right well let's just have a quick look at the order of play for tomorrow it starts with maria sakari against serena williams as Catherine said it's labor day weekend weekend in the u.s so all the the highest profile matches are in the afternoon session so that will be on at 5 p.m uk time noon uh, local time in new york sakari against serena williams I'm still going Serena. I've got her to win the title, so I've got to carry on. Anybody going for Sakari at all? No, I think I am going for Serena. Me too. I think it's, okay. I think obviously Sakari beat Serena last week, but Serena was in a winning position in that match, which suggests that she can get herself in one again, I think. And based on what we talked about, with her performance against Sloane Stevens, I think that that's potentially a, a launch pad for playing even better. So I'm, I am mm. backing Serena. Then it's Ogelia Sim against Team. You both have gone for Team. I'm going to go for Felix. Uh, and then uh, in the evening session, it's Tiafo against Medvedev, 
which again you know you just look at the opportunities that are available for these players now suddenly uh, Mertens against Kenin after that on Lewis Armstrong court it's Vasek Pospisil at 11 o'clock local time so 4pm UK against Diminor Pospisil Diminor is a match stars wise I'd really like to see uh, Corne against Peronkova uh, Berrettini against Rublev then Azarenka against Mukova and there's also the Jamie Murray Neil Skupski doubles quarterfinal second on on court 17 so so much to look forward to tomorrow Catherine will be presenting it uh, providing she wakes up on her third alarm because she tends to sleep through the first two it's already tomorrow oh yeah and do you know what that means <laughs> yes what does that mean happy birthday david happy birthday oh thanks very much my kids have been making a fuss of me today. Oh, yeah. It's been lovely. I've had something from West Bromwich Albion's shop. It's been brilliant. I've had the best time. I've had a birthday cake. I've had chocolate cake. Oh, it's lovely. Hang on a second. I thought your birthday was like today, today, the 7th. Well, yeah, it is, but I can't see my kids oh. tomorrow. I, I am so you decided to because... muscle in on the Tim and Greg birthday party. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> By the way, did. Did you have any of the uh, Tim and Greg birthday cake? So until about 45 minutes ago or an hour ago when we started recording this podcast, the only thing I'd eaten today was a slice of <laughs> Tim and Greg's joint birthday cake baked by Laura Robson. And if you'd told 15-year-old me that I would one day be saying that sentence, <laughs> she wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I did. And yes, tomorrow I will, I say tomorrow, today I will be commentating on BBC Radio uh, via the BBC Sport website, probably from five in the afternoon UK time with all these matches. And then we're on Five Live Sports Extra a little bit later. Catherine will present in telly. Uh, and let me tell you, folks, if you didn't see her today, she was amazing. Uh, and I'm not looking at her because uh, she'll put me off and make me feel embarrassed. Uh, but she was. Uh, so, Catherine, go and sleep. Matt, I sort of already am. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, Matt's got about, about another four hours of work to do because it's and, it's and it fits your body clock now, doesn't it, Matt? Because you, you're into going to bed at seven a.m. Bullied it into submission. He had <laughs> yes, jet lag I, on the first day. Yeah, I was displaying <laughs> sort of dizziness and jet lag symptoms for about forty-eight hours. But <laughs> very much back on track now splendid i tell you <laughs> it's it's currently 2 22 a.m and i've got a real feeling that denis shapovalov is going to just drag me into this match the way it's going happy it's birthday two, to third. you it's amazing and then it's conservate I against know. i mean nasaka i mean come on okay well good night catherine good night matt good night listeners thank you very much for joining us we would like to remind you as well that zeus is our us open tennis podcast mascot an amazing dog uh, i've seen the pictures even i know it's an amazing dog and i don't even know anything about dogs and catherine you'll back that up aren't you yeah i mean no pressure but you've sort of got to be an amazing dog if your name is zeus yeah, but well, he but, is. It, but so, he's you know. succeeding. So well done, Zeus. We had a listener, a listener from Medellin, actually got in touch yeah. today and uh, said hello, which is lovely. I, I love the idea uh, that so, there's a little enclave of tennis podcast fans in Medellin. 
Yeah, it's very good. Um, so, yeah, thank you to all of you. Leave us an iTunes review if you're enjoying the show and do tell people if you think that they might enjoy it because, um, you know, we want more listeners and hopefully that will be something they'll enjoy as well. Right, I'm going to bed and I'm going to watch the tennis in bed. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I'm not going to do anything tomorrow. I'm just going to sleep all day and watch tennis all night. See you tomorrow. 